Good morning, everyone. May the Lord richly bless you. Thank you so much for listening in to our live broadcast. If you have any testimonies or prayer requests, please let us know. You can contact us, any one of these uh, social media uh, places you're listening to this on, or you can contact us at uh, jasondemars.com at the or at the phone number, you send texts to that phone number if you'd like as well. Just make sure to identify yourself so I know who I'm speaking with. And with that said, I want to get started on speaking about church order. And so this is a, a teaching uh, uh, not only about church order, but about conduct as believers. So church order and conduct. I'm going to read 1 Timothy 3.15. It says, if laid, you will know how to, people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. So Paul writing, saying, you, we want you to understand how to conduct yourself in the church of the living God. Amen. So we're going to start there for qualifications of office in the church. Number one is 1 Timothy 3. And we're going to read 1 through 13 and make some comments about it as well. This is a true saying. If a man has the office of a bishop, he desires a good one. Then must be blamed the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, hospitality, apt to teach. Blameless doesn't mean a man is without sin. Um, it means that the man is not guilty of vile and notorious sins. The, the the public won't look and say, "Hey, look at this man. He he's a winner." Now, this does not this doesn't apply to uh, the the life before Christ, because all of us were rotten sinners and in need of transformation. If we're going to say blameless in that sense, then we would have to disqualify everyone. So it's not that there's no real and genuine false uh, a crime or sin this man has committed that disqualifies him from having, from ha his testimony has to be right, is what it's saying. He has to have the right kind of testimony. We also see there he has to be the husband of one wife, so he must be a married man and have one wife, not two or three. Um, his wife must be following the message. It's important. His wife must be following the message, editing if life is bombastic and and uh, controlling, and if he's if she is controlling of him, he can cannot be whole of the holy under under the control and headship of the Holy Ghost, and so that is an important point. And his wife needs to be living. If his, his wife is an example to the people, then it's taking the people down. So if if she's wearing high heels and makeup and cutting her and wearing tight clothes. This is an example to the people and it disqualifies him from ministry. Uh, of good behavior, uh, speaking of, he must be a reverent and serious about the Word of God. Um, it doesn't mean, doesn't mean he can't have a sense of humor. It doesn't mean he can't be a jovial person. But it does mean that when it comes to the word, he's reverent and serious. 
Verse given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. So he must be orderly in his behavior and appearance. He has drinking alcohol. He can't be quarrelsome, always ready for a fight, but be a patient. Verse 4, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. So his children all be in subjection to the order of the family. Now, when they're older and they've made their own choice, that's a, and they've moved out, different story. But when they're living at home and they're in a young age, the family, you should, there's a, there's a, there's an amount of control that a father and mother can have over the child. And it's not in a bad, bad way, but their leadership should keep things in order. If their leadership is not keeping things in order, then there's something wrong. Leadership. But in the church, can't have that existing side by side. For if a man know not how to rule his house, he shall, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall in condemnation of the devil. He can't be a new believer. He needs to be someone that is, is growing, is maturing. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So he needs to have a good testimony. If we're going to take this to its fullest meaning, Jesus himself would be disqualified because he, he was condemned uh, as a friend of publicans and sinners. So this isn't talking about false and accusations from the public, but um, it's, it's speaking about he must he must the kind of testimony that only false accusations could be made against him, not true accusations. Likewise, must the deacons be grave. So, so now, now it's under the qualification of deacons, the qualification of ministers, bishops, overseers, people who are ministering in the local church. Now is deacons, people who are serving in the local church. Like the deacons be grave, full-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy loot, holding the mystery of the faith in pure conscience. These first, that these also first prove, don't just bring them in and let them be a deacon, but put them in there and let them first be proved being found blameless. There's a, there's a trial period there for them to be a deacon. If they do well, then they're found blameless. They continue. Even so, must their wives be grave, not soberful in all things. So a deacon's wife has qualifications as well. Must be following the message. She has to have a right heart, right? She can't be a gossip and a busybody. Deacons um, be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own house as well. A deacon needs to be married. For they, they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith in Christ Jesus. So, again, just to reiterate the qualifications of office, especially speaking of ministers, with his family subject to him and the faith he is walking in. If not, he's not qualified to hold the office of an overseer of a local church. He must be living an honorable life before the people, not accused and guilty of sexual sins, drunkard sins, etc. Even a deacon must be serious and reverent and married men with their families' affection to the word. So those are the qualifications of office. And we talked talk before in marriage and divorce. Being a husband of one of a man is 
divorced and remarried. He's got two wives. Okay, according to the law, he's only got one. But according to the Word of God, he's got two wives. This qualifies his ministry. He's no longer qualified if he's married twice in this circumstance. So, now let's go on to how do we run a church service. This is how Brother Branham taught it. We've, uh, at, at a... Um, we don't have to, we don't, uh, every church is sovereign to itself. We don't have to follow everything like it is a law, law of Moses from the Torah, and if we don't, we're going to hell. That's not what it is, but these are guidelines that we should follow. And if you're listening in overseas, I want you to look at this and understand and start reforming your church service to start this uh, process. Um, and you'll see what I'm talking about, sir. So how do we run a local service? What order do we take for the service? Brother Branham laid this out for us. Number one, and these are all, this is taken from directly from quotes. If you want the quotes, I'll be glad to get them over to you. But this is just in order to not have to read a huge, long... Um, the pastor, so first, the pastor and song leader, musicians and in fact, believers should be at church 30 minutes prior to the service. All right, they'll be there 30 minutes early. Um, that's the goal that you're shooting for. If you're setting up before a service, you want to be there uh, around that time or even earlier. If you're setting up broadcasting, if you're setting up um, the internet, if you're setting up uh, and speakers and things. You want to be there enough so that when people, if people start arriving 30 minutes early, they can sit and pray and not be. Pre-service instrumental muse, silent prayer. We should, you should have some instrumental music going. Uh, nice, quiet, lively, and upbeat, but quiet that would help innocent people praying and reading their Bible. No fellowship in the sanctuary. That's that's an important. You fellowship outside of the, of the of where you're holding. Inside, in in the church, you're to be silent before and after the service. When the service is dismissed, of course, during the service you can shout and praise the Lord and clap and rejoice. That's not what we're talking about. But you're not to, they're not there to talk to this one, talk to that one, speak in a loud voice. Even while the preacher is preaching, you're to say, Amen, Hallelujah, praise the Lord, and those different things. You're not to immediately start asking questions, give feedback. No, you leave that, you write those questions down, and you leave that for later. Okay? All right, so, um, song leader will come and start the service at the exact time the service starts. You don't come and do it after, you don't say we're starting at 7 or 7.30, say 7.30, and come in and say, okay, at 8 o'clock we start the service. You're setting the precedent for everyone that you won't start on time, so they won't come on time. If you say 7.30, start at 7.30, and don't change that. If you say 11 for, sun, for Sunday morning, Start at 11. No waiting or delaying for people to come. Your teacher that will accept it and will delay things for them. If you just start, they will start coming on time. So if children are talking and being rowdy, parents should take them out of the church to another room or outside and get them calmed down to come and be silent. 
no eating or drinking in the, in the sanctuary, no smartphone use or texting in the service. Shut it down. Uh, when you're there in the service, you're there to worship God, not to text and check your social media and find out what's going on outside. You're there to, to look and serve and worship God. A um, point about this is uh, Sunday school. So Sunday school, you would typically, if, if, uh, if your facility allows it, you want to have Sunday school start about a half an hour before the regular church service. You don't need to do that on a Wednesday night, but just on the Sunday service. Have Sunday school start about a half an hour before the service starts and go 40 minutes or so. And so then the Sunday school teacher can bring the children into the church and they can find their parents. So that way the children learn how to sit through service. This is an important point. You'll see it very often. Children are not made to sit still and listen in church. And that, that goes for little children and all the way up. You should start from age teaching the children how to sit through church so that when they get to an older age, they're able to do it without a problem. I've seen too many times in overseas ministry where teenagers still don't know how to sit through service. They're on their phone, they're distracted, they get up, they walk out, they come back in. That's another point. Don't, don't, don't get up times in and out of the service. You come into the you you before you come to service, go use the restroom, come and sit down if there's an emergency or if you need a drink of water, go out of the service drink of water. The only one that should have a drink of water in the service is the minister or the song leader. Uh, the rest the rest of you should keep your water and your snacks and everything out separate. Even for little kids, if you have a little one that needs snacks, that needs uh, that take them out to give them their food. Um, for, for, the, for the little ones, they need distractions. That's fine. Bring in uh, color, not pens, coloring crayons, pencils, so that they can color, um, or, or as quiet toys, so that the, little, lit, the real little ones can have something to occupy them during the service. But your goal is to teach them to be quiet and sit and listen through service. It's very difficult for toddlers and for little ones, but it's a process. Um, so, you know, you, you want to keep your song service to be about a half an hour long. Um, if that's three, four, five songs, however you want to do it. So you sing a couple songs and then you'll, then you'll uh, prayer, then you'll have prayer, uh, have the deacons come forward, have a deacon come forward, pray, and then take your offering. And then while you're taking your offering, you can sing, sing a song. And then you'll have a, several more songs up until um, a half an hour of the service. And then the worship leader uh, invites the minister to come up. So then comes the preaching of the Word of God. Brother Branham's goal was always to keep the preaching five minutes. It rarely ends up being that way. Keep, try to keep it between 45 minutes and an hour and 15 minutes. Um, that way, that way you're not overdoing it on the people and wearing them out. Um, once service is over, you can invite pe people to come forward for prayer. If, if people are sick or if there's prayer requests, people can come forward and pray. You can also invite them to come forward to receive Christ. And then you can, you can 
sing some songs and have some music afterwards to worship. And then you can dismiss people. And then if there's people that want to stay, they can stay and worship. But everyone else should leave silently after the service, leave out of the building, go into the lobby or whatever area you have. And then people can fellowship out there. They can have tea and have, have a meal, whatever it is. But make sure that's outside and separate from the service. And with that said, we'll close out part one of Church or Conduct, if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to contact us at uh, any of the social networks or at the contact information that you see down below. May the Lord richly bless you.